Welcome to the Imbibe Live Conversations podcast with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you are joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We will offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us all on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at imbibelife.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. We're grateful that you are here. Welcome to Imbibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. And today our special guest is Eloisa Mena from Raw by Elo. She is a registered dietitian. And today we are ready to talk about the gut. And we thought, what better place to go than an expert? So yeah, some of you on. might remember um, Eloisa. She joined us about a year ago to talk about inflammation and had a great response to that conversation. So Eloisa, we are so excited to see you and that you're here with us again today. Yes. Thanks for having me. I couldn't turn it down when I heard from you all. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Oh, good. Good. So Amy and I are hearing a lot about this term leaky gut. So can you tell us what that means and all these little buzzwords that we're hearing about? Yeah, so definitely. So I'm going to probably take a step back before we even go to leaky gut and talk about what is this gut health that we hear a lot about. And I remember I kind of was first introduced by it by a gastroenterologist. Um, His name was Dr. McCallum in El Paso, phenomenal gastroenterologist. I learned so much from him. But when we people talk about gut health, they're referring to our microbiome, which a lot of us hear that word a lot in the wellness space and everyone has a microbiome. Everyone's is different. We have yet to find two identical microbiomes and microbiomes are composed of viruses, yeast, fungi, and bacteria. And it's all over us. It's on our skin, in our mouth, in between our toes, in our belly button, and in our digestive tract. So when people are referring to gut health, they're referring to the microbiome in our gut in our digestive tract. That was so informative yeah. for me. <laughs> you made it very clear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, we're learning more as we go, as we know, especially now more than ever, science is not static. So anytime I talk about the gut health, I feel like I'm always adding things as new research comes out. But um, when it comes to leaky gut, Um, what it is, a simple term is increased permeability. So you can picture these tight junctions all around your digestive tract. You can think of them as gatekeepers. They're in charge to keep everything that's meant to stay in the gut inside and everything that's meant to stay out outside. So if someone has leaky gut, those gatekeepers tend to loosen and things start fluctuating in and out. So that's what people are referring to when they hear the term leaky gut. How would you know if you had that? And how do you know what your microbiome is like? That's such a good question. So as of right now, there's no gold standard to take a blood test and say, hey, you have leaky gut. Although a lot of physicians are becoming more familiar with leaky gut, they usually diagnose it with symptoms by different, different influencers, 
or sometimes you might um, get test uh, fecal testing and you might have too much of one bacteria or too much of different yeast. And that's what we call dysbiosis. And that can also be referring to leaky gut as well. What are some of the symptoms? So it's, it varies from person to person. So all three of us could have leaky gut and I might be the one that gets a rash. Maybe Amy gets um, achy joints and maybe Cheryl gets food sensitivities. So it's usually inflammatory like symptoms. And unfortunately we tend to just cover the symptom. So for example, if I have a rash, I'll just put some cortisol cream or, or cortisone cream um, and whatnot, instead of really treating that leaky gut and taking that functional approach, which can be one of the most beneficial things to do. I don't think you really think about that. Like, I don't think my knee hurts. It must be my colon. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> You're right. So that's why it takes, it takes some detective work. I feel like that's why I'm a huge fan of integrative approaches where you have your physician, your dietitian, a gastroenterologist. So you can really pinpoint on what's going on. Right. So like what, how is the gut interrelated to all of our other systems or overall health? What is about the gut in particular that can have so many effects on so many other systems in the body? So it's such a big part in our health because scientists believe we have about 38 trillion microbes making up our microbiome on and in us. So that's more than we have human cell DNA. So if you think about it, it essentially makes you half human and half super microorganism. And we grew up with the connotation that all bacteria is bad, but we're essentially made up of bacteria. And this microbiome, you can think of it as its own inner world that your human self is hosting. So if you have too much of yeast, fungi, or bacteria, that's going to influence your human self as well. So it's so, so, so big on all aspects in our health, not just, not just gut health, but skin health, cardio, um, cardiovascular, um, our mouth. And a lot of us tend to compartmentalize things like the mouth is for the dentist, the heart is for the cardiologist, but it's really interconnected. I usually uh, tell a lot of my clients to look in your mouth, like actually open your mouth. And if you see bleeding or ulcers, that's more than likely going down. That's going on down in your digestive tract. Right. Um, that's funny. Cause I had told my dentist that one time, really? I'm not, yeah. I'm not like this person that goes to the doctor for all the checkups they should be doing and all that stuff. Cause I'm a pretty healthy person. I'm like, oh, I can skip this year. I can skip that year. I can skip. And then I was telling my dentist and he goes, what? You haven't been in so long. I'm like, no, but I see you every six months and you keep giving me a clean bill of health with my teeth. So I surely don't need to see anybody else. <laughs> he was like, well, you're not a dog. <laughs> but there yeah, is a relevancy to it. Totally. I mean, not all the time. For example, I went to the dentist last month and I had bleeding and I was like, oh my gosh, it's my microbiome. But no, it's because I don't floss. 
enough. <laughs> so I have to be honest, like it's not always that, but sometimes people will have cracking of the mouth and that can be a vitamin deficiency. And sometimes we'll just reapply Carmex all day long. Oh, right. Interesting. You know? So it's, it's really important to be in, um, intuitive with ourselves, with our symptoms and, and really take note of what's going on. And I think that really helps understanding if I have leaky gut and what functional approach should I take? I have a question. Do you, as we age, we're, you know, as we age, we're exposed to more and more toxins. It's just part of, you've been here on this earth longer. You've had more plastics than you did 10 years ago. If I'm using that for an example, is it inevitable that things will start to break down? Like, is it inevitable that our guts won't be as strong? Mm -hmm. I think inevitable is kind of harsh, you know, know, it is. And I don't like to think like that, but yeah, but you're right. There are going to be influencers that we don't have control over, right. Whether that be pollution or plastic exposure. Um, and that's also increasing inflammation, which can in turn affect our microbiome. So it's kind of a trickle domino effect, but I always say, do the best you can. Um, so for example, I really want this really expensive air purifier before I give birth, but we can't get it right now. So what I'm doing is opening all the windows in my house every day to just increase circulation. So that's, that's going to be better than nothing or, you know, using a glass bottle instead of a plastic as often. Um, so doing those little things, I really help the, I really think helps the overall approach. And that's, what's going to lead to better health, not just one pill or one change. It's all these little things that we do. What do you think about cleanses? Like a, like a diet cleanse. So I think there's so many out there, right? There's like food cleanses. There is juice cleanses, um, supplements that are used for cleansing. Um, I think some of them can be okay. Most of them that I see, especially on social media, aren't necessarily the best. Um, the first one that comes to mind is like juicing. That's yeah. really popular. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of juicing because you're extracting quite a bit of the fiber of the food. And fiber is essentially what feeds those microbes in your gut. And when we don't feed them, they either die off or research is starting to show that they start munching on the lining of your digestive tract, which also increases leaky gut. So it's so important. We eat fiber. Can a low carb diet lead to the same thing? Not enough fiber. I have definitely, definitely seen that a lot where people will not eat any carbs. And we have to remember that broccoli is essentially a carbohydrate, right? Or some fruit is a carbohydrate and their fiber intake goes down And now that in turn affects their gut health. So of course there's such a thing as a bad carb or not as optimal carb, but when you start removing fiber from the diet, that's when it, it can be not good for your gut health. So when I was growing up, right. Even when I was a young mom and we just talked about my oldest son will turn 24 next week. I don't remember anyone talking about gut health or leaky gut or any of these things, is it more prevalent now? Or do we just know more about it? 
I would, it might be both. It's, it's hard to answer that one, but you know, as also like science starts evolving, we start, we're able to research more and more. Um, and when I mentioned about fiber, the average American eats about 10 grams of fiber and it's recommended to eat at least 25 grams and people that have optimal gut health eat 50 grams, which is what I recommend for most people is to get what to are some sources. What are the sources you recommend to get that from? So ideally from vegetables, I haven't met someone that ate way too many vegetables and they got to slow down. Right. So <laughs> that's, that's usually the first thing. Any vegetables, any vegetables. Yeah. What about Ideal- potatoes? What about sweet potatoes? What about- non-starch is going to be the best one. So five servings of non-starchy. So anything that you squish and isn't bready like consistency. So like broccoli, spinach, cauliflower, um, asparagus, all of those are going to be great. And then you get some fiber about one to two servings from fruit, uh, avocados, really high in fiber as well, chia seeds. And then you have your, your whole and intact grains. So not processed grains. Um, but we're talking about closest to the whole form of the food type of grains. That's going to be the ideal fiber. And, and I think we talked about this also in the inflammation podcast, but remind everyone what that is and what that looks like to the whole grain. Yes. Yeah, so whole grain is going to be something that hasn't been processed ideally much or at all. Um, so if I look at an example of um, whole wheat, you might see Cheerios that say whole wheat, but it's still processed, right? It's pulverized and they add sugar in it and other additives. So that's not going to be ideal as consuming a, um, complete, um, grain that's intact completely. Let's say like the um, amaranth or I don't know why I can't think of any grains right now, <laughs> you know, but something that's chewy Faro is one of my favorites. Okay. Um, so that's going to be that a lot different than something that's just processed and pulverized made out of that grain. And if you're going to buy bread, is it okay to buy bread? And I mean, what you said resonates with me, even with the Cheerios, because everything says, whole grain, nine grain, this grain, that grain, what terms should we be looking for and which ones should we be wary about? So you want to be wary about, um, enriched flour. That's usually going to be the most processed, most common that I see. Usually whole grain is going to be best to see first. Um, Now, it doesn't mean you can never, ever have those foods, right? So some people think like, as long as I don't eat that, my gut health is going to be perfect. Like I mentioned earlier, there's so many other influencers as well. So I like to say, think more of what you need to add versus restrict. Um, And that can be sometimes easier behavioral changes to hold on to. So toast is okay if it's whole grain. Yeah. So for example, I had some toast for lunch. Um but I had some asparagus, some salad in it with some eggs in it. So what else could you add to that food? Now, obviously toast every meal is not going to be ideal because now you're, 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 you're replacing it with something else that you could have. 
Also, I tend to get in the rut of eating the exact same thing every day. And I don't think that I eat that bad, but I, the variety is hard for me, you know, cause it's like, Oh, I like this and it's quick and easy. And I don't have to think about it, you know? So what are some tips to make it for easy to put something else that's in your diet? So yeah, that's, that's common too. Some people are either creatures of habits or they just can't stand eating the same thing. And when it comes to gut health, variety is critical. Um, there was a research paper that I saw that you have to eat. I think it was like 20 different vegetables a week. The average person eats seven same foods a week, different combinations, but the seven same foods. So I would start off by replacing a vegetable that you typically get and either change the color or change the type. So if you get carrots all the time, maybe strive for the purple carrots and then maybe strive for a completely different vegetable, cauliflower, orange cauliflower, and then maybe broccoli or get a vegetable you've never even heard of. (laughs) Just, you know, trying to swap that for something that you typically have. And what about cooked versus raw? I say it all counts. Um, Cooked, fresh, frozen, raw, Um, it's all going to be good. I will say there's a type of fiber that your gut help, your gut microbes absolutely love. They thrive off of it and they're known as oligosaccharides and these type of digestive resistant fibers, we don't digest fiber until they land in the colon and get eaten by these microbes. And so some oligosaccharides include raw asparagus. I've met very few people that eat raw asparagus, right? You know, I was like, I don't know if I've ever eaten it raw. <laughs> I don't want yeah, to. So something you can do is shave the raw asparagus on top of it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They're like, yeah, it might be doable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or raw oats. You might've heard of overnight oats. Oh, so when you okay. the oats. oh okay. I didn't know those were raw. I guess mm-hmm. they're just soaked, right? Yeah, they're soaked. So they're, they, they stay as an oligosaccharide. Then you have jicama. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Someone once told me it's a boring apple, but it's, but it's an oligosaccharide. Um, which you're, you you're can my- now buy them flattened and I, I use them for taco shells. Hmm. Jicama. Oh, interesting. You can get them at our local huh, grocery store. Yeah, that's a perfect oligosaccharide. They actually, um, there's oligosaccharides in breast milk, which is one of the reasons why babies that are breastfed um, can have an optimal gut microbiome because they're feeding those microbes at such an early point. They're starting to add human milk oligosaccharides to infant formula um, to mimic that. Um, So we know it's, it's important to get that in the diet. Oh, fascinating. Huh? Yeah. I feel like I need a cheat sheet. Like I need the cliff notes with all of these different vegetables and grains and fibers and good yeah. everything. So going back to the gut, like what are some signs maybe that you should go see someone to check this out? Maybe you're having some certain symptoms or just not feeling well or 
um, something's going on and maybe you have or haven't gone to a doctor who would suggest this as something you check out. How do you know? So it can be any inflammatory symptom. Um, there's also a lot of, um, research done with, um, psychological disorders like depression and anxiety that can be also tied to gut health. We know that 95% of serotonin is coming from our gut. Um, oh, so wow. wow. um, sleep 400 times more melatonin is produced in our gut than in our pineal gland in our brain. So that's another gut and brain connection there. Um, but to know if you should get this checked out is if you're experiencing any inflammatory symptom, also looking at your stool, right? I know it's not the sexiest topic, <laughs> you know? um, but looking at when you go number two, it should take the same amount of time as it does for you to go number one. If you make it into a whole event and you're on the toilet for a long time, that's, that's not good. It should come out as like, Every man on the planet. <laughs> um, and you just look at all these things. And if you, if you start noticing them, start writing them down. Right. And then taking it to your doctor and presenting the idea, could this be a gut health issue? I don't um, think a lot of people know that though. No, you know, it's not like we hear, you know, if you're having chest pain, pay attention to that and go see a doctor. People don't say if it's taking you, you know, more than a certain amount of time on the toilet, you should really, that's actually a symptom to pay attention to. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I feel like sometimes we can disconnect ourselves from our bodies and we get used to symptoms as well. That definitely happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think I just have to live with this or I just got it. Or it's just who I am. It's just, it's just how my body works. Yeah. So I think that's the first step is allowing yourself to be really intuitive with your body. And then also looking at what medications are you taking? Right. Are you on antibiotics fairly often, um, for skin or for whatever reason, because antibiotics can negatively impact our gut health as well. NSAIDs, things like ibuprofen, um, if you're taking them pretty regularly, let's say, oh, I have some cramps or joint pain and you pop an ibuprofen in, that too is negatively impacting your gut. So just start realizing what you're doing to combat these symptoms, write them down, write down what you're eating. Food intolerances can also be a sign. Um, And then going to your, your integrative medical team and trying to figure out what you all can do. What about probiotics? Should we be adding anything into the diet? Yeah. So probiotics, what they are, they're live bacteria. And we already have probiotics that are a part of our microbiome. Now, usually when people hear the word probiotics, the first thing they think of is supplements, but we want to remember that we already have some. Yes. Most people benefit from taking more. I will say that um, you can get it either some probiotics from your food, live and active cultures in your yogurt and kimchi, um, tempeh, natto, or you can take the supplement. Um, and the supplement world is, is overwhelming. <laughs> There's so many supplements out there. So it's hard to say that all of them are bad or all of them are good. I think there's some really good ones out there that can be beneficial, but it's also important to make sure you're taking a good one. 
And one of those things to figure out if you're taking a good one, make sure it's third-party tested, meaning another company check the supplement to make sure that what they're saying is in it is actually in it, tested for quality. Um, And you want to make sure the probiotics in the capsule are alive, um, which is a hard time. It's, It's one of the manufacturers hard time to do. Sometimes they're they're in the capsule, but they're dead by the time you get home. Uh, so that's that's a big issue as well. Um, but some of my f- favorites, I really like seed. If you've ever heard of seed, seed is an exceptional probiotic. Uh, Culturel, I've seen to be very helpful. Um, regular girl. Um, and again, these different probiotics also help treat different things. So depending on what that, that person is enduring with their symptom, that's how I would help recommend a probiotic as well. Hi, it's Amy. If you're enjoying the content you're hearing on this podcast, then Cheryl and I hope that you'll go check out our website at inviblife.com. On the website, you will find tons of articles, our archive podcast, links to our social media, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all where you can find more information on curating the life you most want in order to live in vibe. We hope you'll check it out. What if you really don't um, consume a lot of dairy? Are the alternative yogurts and keepers like almond milk or coconut yogurt, do those have the same beneficial qualities? You would have to check that it says live and active cultures on it. Okay. Usually they'll list it, but you can also do fermented uh, veggies like kimchi. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do um, different non-dairy sources as well. I know kombucha got a lot of hype for a um, beneficial drink, but I do think a lot of them have lots of added sugar in them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not my favorite thing to recommend, but you can use it to optimize, for example, your mimosa instead of adding orange juice. <laughs> <with your> kombucha. <laughs> yeah. um, so it doesn't mean that you can't drink it at all. Um And then just also remembering that that's just one thing that you can do. Cause a lot of the times I'll work with people and they'll say, well, what supplement do I need to take to fix my gut health? But there are four influencers that we've seen affect gut health. One of them is what we eat, how we sleep, how we exercise and our stress. So it's, it's, it takes time um, to really influence all of those things positively. So by exercise, like just whether you're doing it or not, or specific exercises. So whether you're doing it or not, and then we're also seeing where you do it. So a lot of us don't expose ourselves to the outdoors and we're finding out that there's a lot of positive bacteria in the outdoors, something known as nature therapy that can positively influence our, our gut health. So I think in Japan, they call it like forest bathing. Just did a, podcast, did a podcast on, on there. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> we didn't have any tie to gut health. No, I mean, that's, we, we, we talked about a lot of benefits. It's all connected. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm pregnant right now and I'm thinking I need to not be a Clorox mom and let my kid play in the dirt, let it get dirty. Um, I'm thinking about all all these things. So it can, it can optimize its, its microbiome at an early age. And we kind of talked about, you know, the limiting the refined 
flour, for example, or the enriched flour. Is there anything else we should be avoiding? So the medications that I mentioned, looking at how often you take those, um, alcohol, if you have three drinks or more, that tends to negative three, I should specify three drinks or more a day. Oh, okay. Um, uh, additives, stabilizers, um, uh, food dyes, those type of things can negatively, negatively influence your gut fried foods, anything that's processed. Like we talked about, um, those are the, the main things that I recommend for people to, to lessen, not necessarily never, ever, ever have, but really take that less approach. And I say lessen because some people will say, I'm never going to have chips and salsa again. And they avoid it for two months and then they get it again and they overindulge and it becomes this vicious cycle. Um, so for example, I, I come from a Mexican family. I could never give up chips and salsa. It's a staple. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> We're from South Texas. So I'm sure you can relate to at a Mexican restaurant. You can get a basket and eat 12 baskets before your food comes out. Yes. So something <laughs> I would do is say, can you bring the chips and salsa out when the food is ready? So we still have some, but we don't oh. inhale. 12 baskets worth. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a good, good idea. idea. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> you can do it. We can have three and a half drinks. I'm like, three margaritas? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you didn't mean that. <laughs> well, this has been great and super informative. And um, I think it answered a lot of our questions mm-hmm. that we had. At least gave us a good introduction. And we will um, link your social media and how people can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, is there a website? Yes. Um, so my website is rawbyello.com. All right. And I think we have that in our show notes. Go listen to the podcast on inflammation too, if this interested you, because there was a lot of inner related um, information. And I think they probably go hand in hand and you might enjoy that as well. And you work with people virtually. I know. Yeah. Uh One-on-one. And we're just so happy that you were able to join us. Um, The listeners out there might've kind of caught, you mentioned something about the pregnancy. You are just a couple weeks or a few weeks from delivering a baby. So we're so glad (laughs) we um, were able to connect with you in this way um, during this time. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you both. Good to see you too. (laughs) Thank you for joining our conversation today. For more information or to learn more about InVibe Life, we hope you'll visit us at www.invibelife.com. You can find links and show notes for this episode on our podcast page. Please like, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. We hope that you will listen again soon.